everybody and welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Linz. Before we get started, Poe the Passenger, who kindly do the intro and outro music, are a fabulous indie band based in California. They are doing a fundraiser for their new album. So if you go on to Poe the Passenger on Instagram, there is a link in their bio where you can donate to help them raise money for their album. All right. Today's guest is actress, performer, Troy Titus Barrow, also known as Troy Titus Adams. She's a British actress based in Los Angeles. Troy has appeared in soap operas such as EastEnders as Nina Harris and Family Affairs as Kim Davis. She has also been a performer since a very early age and was in Starlight Express in the West End before returning back to Stateside. We also talk a lot about spirituality in this episode because it all goes hand in hand and it's all relative. All right, you can follow Troy on Instagram at Troy Titus Barrow. And without further ado, here is Troy. Welcome to the show, Troy. Thank uh, Titus you. Barrow. And why don't we just start at the beginning, like I said. So why don't you tell us how you got into performing, how you got the acting bug, like how, how that okay. all happened for you. Okay, well, a pair of red tap shoes. That's how ah. I got started <laughs> at the Coral Holt School of Stage Dancing uh, when I was about three years old. And, um, I did tap and ballet and loved it. And then we moved to Holland and um, I was there from the age of six till ten. And there I attended the Scapino Ballet School and various jazz dancing establishments and also improvisation school a circus school actually called Circus um, Elleboch I have to get the right accent I'm studying so many different languages right now so my oh, you are? Bit, oh my goodness yeah. I, want, I want to hear about that so um yeah so um I had a trapeze put up uh in my living room so oh I would goodness. be active on that and we would stand on balls and we would pretend we were clowns and we'd make up stories and do plays and all of that good stuff. So I guess I did all round kind of movement, dance. And at that point in Amsterdam, my mother used to work in a place called the Melkweg. And I was a, a child of the Melkweg, uh, translated to the Milky Way. It was a big old milk factory that had been converted into a theatre, a tea room, a wine bar, a bakery, um, uh, a concert stage. It had everything, uh, a garderobe, an ice cream parlour. And um, backtracking, I was eight years, I was eight years old and my mother had said that she wanted to get a job somewhere else. And I was out on my bike just riding around. I discovered this milk factory. I walked in. And I heard a Mancunian accent. And um, of course, it was something that I could relate to, an English accent. And I said, have you got any jobs? And the lady laughed at me. And she said, how old are you? <laughs> I said, I'm eight. She said, who's the job for? And I said, it's for my mum. She's looking for a job. Really? I said, yes. <laughs> she said, okay, well, I might have something for her. Tell her to come back at six. So I rode all the way home and I said, mum, I just went to this place and bumped into this lady. She said to go back at six. My mum went back at six and was hired in the garderobe. And so began a long, interesting, adventurous childhood in Amsterdam where I would work a little bit in the ice cream parlor, hang up some coats. <laughs> I would go and listen to groups like Still Pulse and the Mighty Diamonds and Karen Hot, Hotshot Young. I would go into the bakery where a woman called Robin was well ahead of her time with whole wheat flour and, and fresh fruit pies and um, hash cakes and um, all sorts of things that one could get into at the age of eight or nine or ten and I just had such a wonderful time and that woman now is my auntie Kath who I, I adore um, and uh, yeah I just continued to be one of those creative kids then my mum wanted to go to America and at that time in order to go to America she had to 
leave something valuable behind, whether that be a job that needed her to come back or a daughter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to stay with my aunt um, in London uh-huh. and she went off to uh, America with another auntie of mine, best friend, but she's an auntie to me yeah. uh, now, my auntie Susie. Um, and they went off and she went to study uh, Latin American percussion in New York. And so I was back in London having a great old time. I rekindled tap dancing and uh, my love of drama. And so I attended drama school at the Anna Shear Theatre School. Mm-hmm. And I um, remember, why did that name rings a bell? Because all of the real people, actors, as opposed to the, you know, um, it's not highbrow anymore to go to central, you know, because they want yeah. real people. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, it was kind of highbrow schools were the Radas, the centrals. And Anna Shear is the real people school, places where all the cast of EastEnders are from, Grange that, Hill are yes. from. I remember yes. I wrote to her when I was like 12. Yes. And she's improv based. Oh, my so, goodness. That's yes. So, do I know that name? Oh yes. Goodness. So there was a whole slew of, you know, the Kathy Burks, the Susan Tullys. Yes. The, you know, um, they they went there. Um, who else? Uh, Birds of a Feather. What, Pauline oh, okay. Quirk, Linda Robson. You know, that that's the alum. Did her name, did her school change to a different name? It didn't. It was always okay, the was always Anna Shear School, Anna Shear Theatre School. Yeah. So um, I went there and then I also went to Italia Stage, uh, Italia Conti Stage School. I also did classes at Mount View. Um, and so really acting, uh, theatre, musical theatre mm-hmm. uh, became my love. I also grew up watching musicals. I loved Calamity Jane, Busby Berkeley's. I mean, I'm really showing my age here. Although I was like two, no. Uh, <laughs> but I watched all of them, you know, the Ellen and Parkers, the, uh, the Ann Millers, the Mitzi Gaynors, the G- Ginger Rogers, uh, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, you know, all of the greats. I would, you know, just, I was in awe of musical theatre. So mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to go into. So my first contract was just pure dancing, which happened. Well, okay. Sorry, I'm going all over the place here. So fine. I was in London doing drama and then a film crew came to scout, uh, Ian Eames specifically, and he was doing a movie that was produced by David Putnam, who was a, a you know, quite prolific um, producer, director at that time. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for the lead. I auditioned and went through several rounds and I was given the lead. I was then walking home from a friend's house in Finsbury Park and I got hit by a car um, who went through a red light. Um, But it was his word against mine. And of course I'm a 16 year old and so nothing ever became of it, but I garnered a broken leg. I was in traction with 40 pound weight and I was in hospital and couldn't do the movie. So the role went to um, a woman aptly known as Beverly Hills. Um, And she went on to do Brookie. But a year later, uh, he was still filming some pickup shots. And I was able to be, uh, you know, a supporting artist at the Mm -hmm. end in one of the end shots. So the bug really, you know, was from from that time period. I just loved um, acting. I loved singing, I loved dancing, I loved it all. And at that point, I, I didn't care which direction I went into as long as it was one of those. Mm-hmm. And I had tried to get into drama school and uh, full-time dance college and just the grant situation, affording fees oh, was gosh, just yeah. not, yeah. there was no way forward for me because there, was, there weren't enough grants, I was rejected and my parents couldn't afford to pay. Uh, for me to go so I decided I must you know I should work professionally so I was doing Pilates um, with a woman called Heather Sampson Mm -hmm. and in exchange for Pilates classes I would help her around the studio which I did she also um, had her uh, ear to the ground for 
uh, entertainment companies who are looking for dancers. And so she called me up with it with 24 hours notice and said, they're short of two English dancers um, for this contract that starts, that they fly out tomorrow to Mexico for seven months. Do you want to go? <laughs> well, <laughs> you will get your equity card. I'm there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get my equity card, you know, because that was 30 weeks of full-time work. That was yeah. how you got your equity card. So I went to the body shop. I bought up every Dewsbury uh, item, uh, <laughs> every shampoo, every perfume, every conditioner, body lotion. <laughs> and armed with that and no hepatitis B shot and no other shot to go to <laughs> Mexico, I jumped onto a plane you know uh with a a attitude of adventure and um off I went and I was in Mexico for seven months having a glorious experience of being a Manhattan showgirl and doing lots of publicity every town we went to in Mexico we were treated like Hollywood stars we did television for them we all had these little uniforms there were 21 of us mind you and we'd all stand in a chorus line mm-hmm. and we had these little blue mini skirts on with these ugly flowery tops, but, <laughs> but we all looked the same. And um, yeah, we just traveled around and I loved it. So after doing that for seven months, I wanted to be in the West End. So uh-huh. I decided uh, that I wanted to be in Starlight Express. That was my favorite show at the time. It was on roller skates. Mm-hmm. So it fulfilled my dancing, also my adventure for roller skating and musical theater, obviously, and singing yep. and dancing. So um, after two weeks of arduous training and then an audition process with Arlene Phillips, who's a tough cookie, finally the audition came. I thought it went horribly. I fell over. I didn't even fall over during training, but I fell over during my audition. Of course. I thought, oh my God, it's awful. Um, I hit a bum note. I had to, I started again. Everything that went wrong. So my girlfriend and I, um, who I'd met there, she also thought she had a terrible audition. We went to Pizza Hut on Baker Street, drowned ourselves in, you know, a deep dish pizza. <laughs> We'd been on diets, do you know what I mean? So yeah. we're like, girl, splurging. <laughs> and then the next day we both got calls that we had made the cut. <gasps> so we uh, landed roles in uh, Starlight Express. I um, had been given the role of wrench, the repair truck, and she was to be an understudy because she is phenomenal, kick ass and could do every single role known to man. And literally she went on for every single role and did an amazing job. And she's now an associate, she's now a director, associate director and has done all the big major shows in the West End. Wow. Uh, so a shout out to my little sister, Tara Wilkinson Overfield, because she was always an inspiration. Yes, I was in musical theatre and then... I did some theatre work. I did film work, uh, TV work. Um, were you in then, EastEnders at one point? Or did I just... Yes. Okay. I did, but... Everybody's have, dream, just everywhere. Oh, really? Well, okay. So the next piece, piece of the puzzle is I wanted to go to America. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I did... Uh, Starlight were doing an extended contract. I said I didn't want to wait that long I didn't want to be in something for uh, another year I wanted to go to America so I waited tables at TGI Fridays in Mill Hill for six months Mm -hmm. to get enough money to pack my bags and go to New York so that's what I did and packed my bags and an old school friend of mine he had a basement Um, He lived with his mom, so it was all safe. I went to New York armed with $2,000 and a dream. (laughs) That's what we all did. (laughs) And I was in New York and loved it, did music videos. I I worked with a lot of students from NYU um, and Tish and did loads of films and stuff. But it was really cold in New York and I wanted to go to California. Yeah. So off to California, I went and um, I landed on a film set called uh, Lords of Illusions with uh-huh. Clive Barker. 
And I was in a scene actually with Famke Jansen at the funeral. Um, and uh, again, I was, in, I was just new. So I just landed this. I think because they were looking for a diverse group of uh, accents mm-hmm. and stuff for that scene. And I think I had a line and that was it. Um, but that was enough. I was in Los Angeles. And um, I happened to be speaking to a lady on the set. Her name was Carrie. And uh, she said, have you ever worked in casting? I said, no, I'm an actress. She said, oh, but, you know, when you finish this, you know, what, what are you going to do? Where are you from? Where are you going to stay? Blah, 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 blah. So I, w- I was thinking, well, I guess I don't know. It. I don't know anybody in this town. Mm-hmm. So she introduced me to a casting director. So I ended up working with that casting director and learning a little bit of the behind the scenes casting. I did that for a bit, continued on with my acting career. And I was in Los Angeles for about four years before I thought to myself, I need to stay here. And at that time, and this was all before 9-11 and the days when it was easier to be here without documentation, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I was going home. I thought, I'm going to go home, tell everyone they're not going to see me for a while because I need to figure this out. I need to find a way to stay in America. I don't know what that was going to be, but I need to stay. Yeah. So I went home. I came in on uh, VS007, Virgin Atlantic Flight 007, which I thought was quite significant at that point. (laughs) And I had called an old agent of mine. I said, well, I'm going to be home for about a month. If there's any promotional work, let me know. So she calls me the next day. So this was Tuesday, Wednesday. So she calls me. Uh, on Thursday and says uh, EastEnders is auditioning new characters for some new characters and they're holding an audition tomorrow I've been able to get you in Uh, would you like to go and when I had left the UK yes EastEnders was had just started really but it definitely wasn't the phenomenon that it was when I returned Mm -hmm. back in I think we're now, let's skip forward, now 1997. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea really. But having been in LA and going to class, you never turn down an opportunity yeah. to audition. doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it will be a good workout, you know. So yeah. I thought, okay. So I learned the lines and I was off book because that's what we do in LA. You're off book. You don't hold the script. And it just so happened that, EastEnders audition process was being um, covered by the Daily Star. Yes, that's credible, amazing newspaper, you know. (laughs) So the Daily Star were covering it. So there was loads of cameras and it was a big deal. And there was groups of us. We were at least, you know, 15, 20 people in like three different groups. Uh And so um, I thought, okay, all right. No big deal. I wasn't taking anything. I took it seriously because it was an an audition, but I wasn't seriously considering, you know, oh my God, I'm at a EastEnders audition and this is amazing. So I was really relaxed um, Mm -hmm. and just wanted to go and do my best work. Yeah. So I ended up, I guess, doing my best work. I got a call back to go to um, Elstree um, on the Monday and uh, so I met with the executive producer at about 11 a.m. on Monday. We just chatted in his office. We went over some things. Um, he said at that point I had an American accent and could I be more, <laughs> have a more London accent? So I said, okay. Um, but he was always still vague. Yeah. I'm just asking me questions. So I got back on the train. I got back home around three o'clock. There's a phone upstairs and there's a phone downstairs in my mother's flat. Mm-hmm. So I was downstairs in my bedroom um, and the phone rings. My mum picks it up and she says, Troy, Matthew Robinson from EastEnders is on the phone. I got the phone and evidently she didn't put down the phone. And I, was, his I, word, I, I was about to say, was she listening? She was I'd, listening. I'd be listening. <laughs> yes, she did. And... <laughs> These words will probably (laughs) never be, in fact, these words will never be uttered to me again, I'm pretty sure. 
not in this way. How would you like me to make you a star? <laughs> My mother screamed. <laughs> I screamed at mom. the phone. So, and he said, "We'd like to offer you this role. It shoots in um, October. Can you get back?" Blah blah blah. I was like, "Uh, uh, uh." Yeah, uh, uh, everything was a blur. You know, I had a job. I had a boyfriend. I, I was like, uh, yeah, um, someone, the contracts department will be um, in touch with you. But for right now, it's a three-month contract with a three-month option. I was like, uh, oh, okay, I, I, I can do that. Okay, great. Put down the phone. My mother was so excited. Everyone was celebrating, called the family. And at this point, I'm still like, okay. All right, yeah. EastEnders, I still have no idea how big it is. Yeah. So I come back to Los Angeles and I build up an amazing friendship over email with the executive producer. He's the only person I know. Uh-huh. I haven't been home in eight years or, you know, for at that point um, or five, five or six years. Um, so we build up this connection over uh, email. So, of course, now that I get producer talent relationship I now can understand why people didn't trust me when I got onto set and there was kind of a a weird vibe because I was very close with the executive producer because he was the person that I knew so in between moving back to well coming back to LA and then getting my role on EastEnders he and I were in email communication what do you need how where are you moving who's helping you Mm -hmm. you're going to need a computer you're going to need this you're going to need that he just literally helped me with everything he didn't pay for anything but he helped me yeah Tottenham Court Road to get a computer set me up told me how things worked literally so we were very close Mm -hmm. and that was it he was an amazing man um and I loved him dearly just because He really took me under his wing. Yeah. But everybody on set was very suspicious because they thought, of course, I'm going to be, you know, chat, chat, chat and tell him what was going on on set. But I, I was not that person. That wasn't me. And I was so naive to it all. That didn't even cross my mind until later on when I kind of thought, huh, that's why they reacted to me that way. But anyway, um, came back left my life in Los Angeles, came back to London and I was on the bus and I was filming my scenes. We had a manager called Caroline who sat us down, an EastEnders manager, and then spoke to us about how our lives would change. And she was very serious. I, To me, having lived in LA, uh, stars were, you know, your your Halle Berry's, your Susan Sarandon's, mm-hmm. your Meryl Streep's stars, the way that they bandied around the word star in the yeah. UK didn't, didn't, I didn't feel like I fit that. Yeah. Because to them, if you were on TV, you were a star, right? If you're on mm-hmm. the front covers of newspapers and magazines, you're a star, you're a celebrity. And I, I, my world, Los Angeles world, there were real celebrities to me, my yeah. idea of real celebrities. So I was very humble, I would like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that what Caroline was saying, well, you know, um, the minute that your scenes air, you need to be, you know, you need to be careful about this. You're going to have fans and that, 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 and they're going to be camping out of this. And, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. You probably won't be able to go to dinner. You're going to be interrupted. All of these things. But uh-huh. it kind of, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take it on board. Didn't for a second think that that would happen to me. The day after my scenes aired, I was at a bus stop in Muswell Hill because that's where I was staying at the time. And uh, it was about five o'clock in the morning because I had to be in the makeup chair by 7.30. So everything was early, early. A lot of um, uh, East Ender people live around Muswell Hill. Yes, yeah. Because I North used to live around there. I used to see them a lot. Yeah, well, it's close to the studio. Yeah. Right? So... So um, he said, yeah, aren't you that bird off EastEnders? And I, I was, and I had a hoodie on Lynn's. I was, it was cold. I had a big coat on, no makeup. I was like, how on earth did you recognize me from 
you know, the new yeah. girl yesterday, I had my hair all tied up, loads of makeup, you know, but that's what he said. So that was that. I came home on the train and it was during school and all these school kids were like, oh, I saw you last night. You're, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, wow, she wasn't wrong. She, she, she was absolutely right. <laughs> this is what happens and so by March I'd gotten my own car that was my treat I treated myself to a car and uh yeah and then then the (laughs) the fame uh, you know of being on magazine covers and shoots and I and and what I love about it I'm so happy that I had the foresight to just really enjoy that time and not take it for granted Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I didn't take it for granted you know, every dress that I was able to borrow from the racks because you were going to an event, they would dress you. Mm-hmm. You know, I drew, I wore Gucci clothing, jewelry to go to the X-Men premiere. I was photographed with Halle Berry. I was on page six with Halle Berry, you know, Halle Berry and British soap siren. I mean, are you kidding, <laughs> are you kidding me? Same page as Halle Berry. What? I it was nuts and then there's you know hello magazine okay magazine uh it was just it was such a ride it was (laughs) such a ride and then all the shows that you got to be a part of and go on and have a laugh I was on Suggsy used to have this karaoke show that was shot in Magaluf they chartered a plane for us to just go and and sing a few karaoke songs I mean and it was a game show, you know, celebs <laughs> going up against celebs. I mean, would you dare? I mean, it was, it was amazing. And then there was Fort Boyard with um, Leslie Grantham. We're in the middle of, a, uh, on a, a fort in the middle of the uh, channel, you know, uh, just doing these crazy extreme comp- competitive games, hanging from trapezes over tigers and being oh in the middle goodness. of the ocean and having to cover curry buckets of water whilst running on a treadmill being <laughs> tarantulas and picking up a note on their bellies and you know to find the clue to win the game to win money for charity I mean it was a nice time <laughs> but a glorious time how long were yeah. you on the show for uh how long was I on the show two two years two and a half oh, years wow. yeah yeah I mean it, in in soap terms, that's not a long time, but it was enough time for me to have a great experience. And yeah. then from there, go on to Family Affairs, um, which Idris Elba, I think, was just finishing off. Uh, we weren't in the same scenes, but we were on the set just at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went on that show. That was really great. And then I did The Bill, which the police show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to... Uh, be a crack addict mom and I love that I could brown up my teeth and my nails and really get into the character so I had a lot of fun yeah it was great it was really it was it was a good time and uh and how old are you at this point 28 oh wow yeah yeah so I had it I had a great time and so then I I wanted to come back to America I was Mm -hmm. in a relationship and just ended and I really wanted to come back. And so uh, I prayed on it, sent, put it on my vision board. Mm-hmm. And I said, I wanted to come back with all my documentation. I yeah. have a green card and be absolutely too legit to quit. So, <laughs> um, uh, I got all my paperwork uh, because, of course, I'd worked in the industry. I had lots of industry people write letters for me and say uh, great things, wonderful things about me. Uh, so I was able to qualify for uh, an artist of extraordinary ability. So, um, yeah, got my green card and came back to L.A. to start again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, again, hot. It was wonderful. I step off the plane. I get an agent. I uh, go for an audition for numbers. I get a callback. I book the job. Then I book a travel show. Uh, all these things, wonderful things. And then what happens? The writer's strike hits. Yay! Oh, 2008. Was it 2008 or 2000? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's then... when I first moved over. Oh, I, I mean, I was just a student at that point, but 
I remember all these casting directors were just doing all these casting classes for these scores because they're like, well, we don't really have anything else going on. So it was great for me because I got to meet all these people. But I was like, oh, my God, nothing's happening. It was terrible for me. Because I I got off the plane having just left this show, that show. Oh, and I've missed out a whole chunk of where I met my husband, you know, um, because we met on a play um, and fell in love at a very inopportune time mm-hmm. his relationship was ending and then I was I was on ready to conquer America and you know I didn't think about a relationship and then he walked into my life and he said I'm coming to America and I said yeah right of course you, are. <laughs> you know that's always the way it happens as well is when yes. you're least expecting it and you're just like oh yeah. I literally yeah I literally was working and I told my friend Andrea I was just like I'm done with men I didn't come <laughs> over here to like piss around trying to find a man I'm just like gonna yeah. work on my acting yeah and then literally the next day met my husband there you go it's you know that's the way it is it, that's the way yeah. it is and I wouldn't yeah. change it for for anything you know yeah. it's been it's been a wonderful ride and the fact that he's an amazing actor and is very supportive and understanding um as well we get each other mm-hmm. you know yeah I wish when he got an audition he would also do the cleaning as well <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's okay all right so <laughs> our process is slightly different <laughs> it's all right i'll breastfeed and clean and this and that and do, do lines because <laughs> of course he directed me just after i had my child and he said just remember when you're on set you're not my wife you're just any other actress who i've been directing <laughs> i was like uh, i need to go and pump uh we're not having a break yet you're gonna have to wait what it's for your what? son it's for your son yeah it's for your son no that my is husband. so funny so yeah. question how so you've just so this would have been like seven years ago mm-hmm. you have your little babe how did you navigate having a baby and all like the acting world because <sighs> it's not I, easy no it's, it's also you know it's not but you, you know just what? figure it out I think what I did is I I realized I was moving into a different age bracket and mm-hmm. I wasn't the ingenue. I also looked at some people who I had admired and in the business and the sacrifices that they made to their to being a parent. Mm-hmm. And no judgment, but I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um my husband and I have managed childcare between us because we also didn't want to just have, uh, you know, a nanny, not that we could afford it, but have anyone who was doing most of the raising of our child mm-hmm. because we were older. We had, you know, not to say we'd lived our lives, but we were able to travel and go off on contracts and, you know, live a, a quite a selfish life. So mm-hmm. when we decided to have a baby, I felt like, I wanted to enjoy it. And it was my only one. I wasn't going to be having another one. Mm-hmm. I didn't want another one. I probably could have had another one, but we didn't. So we have an only uh, child. Um, and I wanted to enjoy the moments. I really yeah. did. And yeah. I wanted to be there for him. Um, where, and I thought, you know what? My acting can fit around me. Mm-hmm. so um rather than him fit around it and we'll yeah. just keep reviewing the situation so uh my husband and I set up a, a theater company called critical action theater company and we started producing so we were able to produce content that had ourselves in it so child care became um a juggling act mm-hmm. but I also had had a teacher in the past who talked to me about juggling the plates, that it can be done. You just have to be organized. And so I didn't want it to be, I didn't want my baby to be an excuse. I didn't want motherhood to be an excuse. I didn't want anything to be an excuse. I just wanted to get it done. Mm -hmm. So if I had to learn my lines and I had to get into character and I had to breastfeed or change diapers or take go to the park or whatever it is that I needed to do you know I just need to get it done yeah you know so 
that's kind of how I've managed the, you know, the whole parenting thing was to try and keep the balls up in the air. It doesn't always work and something obviously does sacrifice, but the most important thing to me is my family, my home life, Mm -hmm. because that is, um, that moves along with time and those are moments you don't get back Mm -hmm. acting film tv radio whatever it may be is always going to be there will I have a few more wrinkles yes I will however I won't have missed precious moments in my Mm -hmm. child's life or moments with my husband so um you know I don't take my life for granted yeah that's one of the biggest things that I've learned just being an adult uh, and a human being, we, we assume, I think a lot of us assume that, you know, we'll reach our seventies or eighties. Right. So we, we live life based upon that. And I live less so like that, not, you know, fatalistically like, Oh, you know, tomorrow I might die, mm-hmm. but I don't put things off and I recognize the value of them. I recognize the value of people. I recognize yeah. the value of moments. I rec- recognize the value of gratitude. I recognize the value of be living in joy. I know this sounds all airy fairy. No, possibly I'm totally to some, with some um, listeners, but for me, spending time in frustration feeling insignificant, feeling fearful, feeling that I don't have enough are all negative feelings and behaviors that I'd rather not keep perpetrating. Yeah. Want of a better word. Um, and it's not always perfect because there's always a bill to be paid. And when you are a working actor and your income is up and down, mm-hmm. there are times when it can be very stressful. However, I like to think that I don't dwell as much as I used to on that stress. Yeah. I'm just more resourceful, but I'm also more, uh, I believe more in the power of the universe to give me everything that I need when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a real awakening for me, I know that the word authenticity is is a very, you know, popular buzzword, but really it just means being yourself, being yeah. yourself and not trying to be somebody else and trying to live somebody else's dream or try to have what somebody else has. Mm-hmm. If you want what someone else has and that's your inspiration, not a problem. But yeah. if it's not in you, then don't try and be that, yeah. you know, be yourself and then everything else will come. And that's, you know, I love acting. I'm passionate about our business. I'm passionate that we get to tell stories, mm-hmm. people's stories. But if I let my life pass me by, yeah. then I'll never, I'll never get that time back. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, acting's always there. There's always going to be stories at all ages. Everyone's come on board with all, all types of people, all types of genders, all types of beliefs, all types of looks. Yeah. So I know that the time for aging women is upon us. Mm-hmm. It's less, you know, less pressure. I would like to think getting work done to your face. Would I like some Juvederm? Yes, I would. Would I like some Botox? Yes, I would. But, (laughs) you know, I also have to say no, no, no. Just age gracefully and you will be fine. And there will be a cream at some point that will tighten your skin for six hours. (laughs) It's funny because I've had like these crow feet under my eye since... I was about 23. Yes. And I'm like, and there was, because I'm laughing all the time and the sun, you know, blinding you. And and I'm like, you know what? And I told somebody, I was just like, oh, when I move to LA, I'm probably going to get Botox. And they were like, why? You need your facial expressions. Wow. And I was just like, she has a point. Lucy has a point. Okay. And you know what? I'm just, I've just embraced it. Yeah. And it's interesting you say like how we just like acting is always going to be there and this and the other. Um, I feel like when I first moved over and I had 
different agents. They didn't know what to do with me. They mm. didn't know where to put me. Mm-hmm. And then I met with an agent who I had, I don't know, like six years ago. We reconnected somehow. And she was just like, how I saw you back then is now who you are. So you've grown mm. into like, because I was too, I was young to mm-hmm. play like the, the lawyer type thing. But I have, everyone says that I have like an old soul. Mm-hmm. So I have like the maturity to do it, but I look too young, if that right. makes sense. Yes. And now it's just like, oh. So I also, also think like with having children, that has taken that pressure off as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, these roles are still going to be there. Yes. Everything's changing, like you said, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. And you just, you just grow into things. And think yeah. the right thing's going to be there for you. Yeah, and you have to believe and you have to have self-belief as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life is n- not going to be perfect, but it's how you deal with the imperfections of life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, every yeah. hurdle, every obstacle, is it going to take you out or are you going to go down and then come up fighting? Yeah. That's, that's really what, you know, I hope I do when there's an obstacle or there's a something to get over or something to climb that's how I deal with it you know and sometimes I say okay so why is this happening universe and I I try and figure out the why you know and sometimes there's things that you a lesson that you didn't pay attention to that you need to get again yep so that you handle it differently so you know the universe will give you if you keep ignoring something that you Mm -hmm. know instinctually is right to do and you ignore it the universe will keep giving you the lesson in a creative myriad of ways until you get it and until you change i've said the exact same thing to people right it's yeah because i'm a big believer in that Mm. so i feel like everything happens for a reason even though the reason might be shitty at the time right but you know yeah no i do and yeah i feel like the universe does have your back yeah. It sounds it sounds all hippy dippy, but I'm I'm totally on board with them. I just think we as human beings have so much energy mm-hmm. coming through our cells and the planets, the sun, all of that has a yeah. bearing on how we uh, think, feel, how the mm-hmm. universe moves around space, yeah. you know, the air, everything. I mean Well the moon. Think, I get yes, so affected by the moon. Right. So affected. Right. It's such a strong energy. Yes. So I feel like who am I? I'm not a scientist, but who am I to to say that I'm not getting energetic rays that are filling my head with or my body with, you know, whatever whatever mood that I'm struck with. When I mm-hmm. walk outside in the mornings and I have a, a, a bolt of or a shot of sunlight, how that energizes my body and my thinking and how it brings so much joy to me. I, I think that's a, a lot of the reason why I left the UK too is because I'm a sunshine baby. Oh, and when I have the sunshine, I'm just so positive. Mm-hmm. I'm on cloud nine. I feel like I can, you know, I conquer the world mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter, you know, if, if it's all crappy, the yeah. sun just makes me handle things in a much more positive way you know, mm-hmm. and oh, I, absolutely. so, you know, I'm, I'm doing a five minute journal at the moment and every morning wake up and it's, you know, you're semi-conscious. So the things that you're grateful for mm-hmm. and what is going to make today a great day and then who you are today. And, you know, mostly I say I'm resourceful, I'm productive, I'm organized yeah. <laughs> because Sometimes I feel a little less organized and I need to, I need to speak that into existence. I need to be yeah. a bit more organized because as you know, as a parent, you know, and as a wife, sometimes you end up organizing the boy's <laughs> life as well. Oh, I, I got called a dictator the other day because I'm so like nuts with my, my son's uh, naps. And my sister-in-law was like, yes, she's like a dictator with her son's, with the babe's naps. And I'm just like, well... You don't understand because if he doesn't get his nap, he's a nightmare. He's a nightmare. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. (sighs) But yes, they don't understand. (laughs) Um, And apparently, I micromanage a little bit, but that's just because I have my ways of doing things, and I just have to let go. (gasps) I have to let go. I have to let go. But I know that. 
I know that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely feel like organization, especially as a working mother, trying to get everything done. Because, you know, I think organization is key. Yeah, because so. I, I, I want to, in fact, I'm starting tomorrow uh, to uh, meditate uh, before I leave uh, the house in the morning. No, after I leave the house in the morning in my car. Mm-hmm. when I'm by myself and I've just got alone time to meditate for 15 minutes in yeah. my car. So that's what I'm going to start doing. Um, because as you know, well, know, when there's people in and out of your space and mommy, oh, you yes. know, it's very difficult to just lie down and <laughs> meditate. And me, if it's at night, I'm asleep yeah. girl. I'm, I'm gone, <laughs> you know, soothing voice. I'm <laughs> drawing Z's as it were. So uh, yeah, me- I'm going to add meditation because I think it's I think it's very important to calm the mind and oh, absolutely. Uh, focus 100%. on focus on things that you want to manifest. Yeah. That being said, because obviously I sound I I feel like we're both on the same like wavelength with like all that stuff because I meditate every day as well. I actually do mine before I go to bed. Just oh, so I'm okay. Like, well, it's it's hit this. I'm doing this hypnobirthing thing right now. Yes. I've actually been doing it. The whole time, yeah. even when the baby was born. Pressure <laughs> waves. Pressure waves. It's so relaxing. Yeah. And like when I was in labor having contractions, when I wasn't having the contractions. <gasps> like contractions? You say pressure waves, don't you, with hypnobirthing? <laughs> oh, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, this is baby number two. <laughs> Call it what it is. It it's is. a contraction. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was asleep in between them. So, yep. you know, um, but it does help me get to sleep now. But obviously, like, the whole universe thing, having our back, just us knowing our self-worth and just mm. all of that stuff. But have have you ever had moments, because I know personally myself, even though I'm a strong believer in, like, there are forces out there guiding us. And mm-hmm. I've definitely had, like, this is, I'm not schizo, but, you know, when you just have vo- really strong voices in your head mm-hmm. that are, like, telling you that you're on the right path kind of thing mm-hmm. like a really strong like intuition type thing mm-hmm. has has the fear ever like seeped into that and how have you dealt with that because I know it has with me a long time ago like now I've kind of I've figured out how to manage it but before that when it seeped in I, I didn't really know what to do with that whole fear factor and the fear factor is fucked up it's just like it doesn't serve us it doesn't do anything positive um I think I did uh, yeah I think we all have moments of fear um but the the stronger pull of um confidence and Mm self-belief uh is really started it comes comes easily more easily yeah like for instance when there would be a big gap between auditions and stuff like that I would tape and I wouldn't feel scared or fearful but it would be picked up on camera yeah right because I'd have all these voices am I good enough am I doing this so you're in your head yeah you're actually not serving the text at all Mm -hmm. you're saying the lines you've actioned the text but your your inner monologue is not on what it should be your inner monologue is Oh, they're judging me. They're judging me. Oh, am I good yeah. enough? Am I good? And, and you, that was so um, uh, detrimental to the very thing that I was trying to do. Yeah. You know. And so, you know, my my husband would say, "You look scared. You look scared. Stop looking scared." And I'm like, "I don't feel scared." But that's what was going inside. And then this other voice was trying to take over. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. But I wasn't wasn't truly coming from inside yeah so I have I feel like I've conquered that because I think with time and with relinquishing this concern over being judged Mm -hmm. right I let that go and once you let go of the fear of being judged and just know that you'll be judged we all judge every single day it's but it's not necessarily in the way that you think it, it is, mm-hmm. just go and have fun. So, yeah. you know, you have a breakthrough. 
Um, and to, to, to make a confession, I ha- have done UPW with Tony Robbins, you know, unleash oh, yeah, the power yeah. within. Yeah. And, you know, he teaches you to break through your fears. Yeah. You know, he's amazing at doing that, you know, and you break a board of wood with your bare hands and you, you really, he gets it out of you. You spend it's an intense time, but you go there. You go yeah. there and you get it out, yeah. you know? So that fear bubble is just like pierced, yeah. shot, exploded, evaporated, you know? Um, but I think to get there, I'm a real, I like, I like post-it notes everywhere. Like if mm-hmm. I'm feeling uh, in a place where I, I you know, before where I needed to have more self-belief, I would just have it in my car. Really good little um, affirming, confident, affirming slogans that I'm enough and I'm strong and I'm able and I'm capable and I'm smart and I can do this everywhere. Yeah. So I was just surrounded by that and I would take a moment, close my eyes and just really sit in my own confidence, you know, yeah um and that's and that's what has helped me break through Mm -hmm. so I I don't yeah and also it doesn't serve it doesn't serve you fear it really doesn't I know it's an easy thing to say but if there's anybody who is living in fear they have to by any means necessary kick that fear to the curb Mm-hmm. because it's okay. it's a big huge block it stops you from really um fulfilling your potential for yeah. this amazing life that we have you know for those of us who are you know able to walk the planet and breathe even during covid even during the darkest days where we're trapped inside yes we're trapped inside and yes we can't go anywhere we can't do anything but we're not living on the street we have a roof over our heads we have food in our belly and we have each other yeah. And you have the power of the internet. Now, come talk to me if there was no internet or what <laughs> or something or no Netflix. Talk to me. Then maybe. But you know, I'm also into fitness, so I was doing a lot of fitness uh classes online mm-hmm. and trying to empower people to move at home and grab whatever they could to just move their bodies because when you move your bodies, you know, you release those endorphins, it makes you feel positive. Yeah. You know, by just and and just letting everyone know that they're loved mm-hmm. you know they're loved somebody in the world loves you you know and somewhere you know even who cares if it's only one person yeah you know you are loved yeah you're, you're here the fact that you're on the planet and you're breathing you're loved you're you're here you know and you need to do your best to make your life count and matter yeah and that means by hopefully affecting another human being, whether it's whether you're by yourself and you walk into a cafe and you make somebody smile, saying please and thank you, good afternoon to someone who, you know, looks like they're they're very miserable and doesn't they don't want to say hello to anybody. You brighten their day, their day by just saying hello to them. Yeah. You know, it's amazing like the power of words, mm-hmm. you know, or just dancing in the yep. middle of the street. <laughs> You know, people look, might look at you crazy, but you know what? They'll smile. Someone yeah. will smile. <laughs> I've seen those people dancing in the street and I have smiled. So Yeah. So. You know, or a favorite song on a Walkman or yeah. in your car. I've yep. seen people pull up next to me and I'm, I'm belting out <laughs> the top of my lungs and it makes them smile. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little embarrassing moment because I've been caught in the act, you know, just screaming my lungs out. But, uh. You know, they smiled and I'm like, okay, you caught me. Fine. As long as it made you laugh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Because I feel like this has been a lovely, I feel very inspired. I feel like um, I do my little fairy tarot cards every morning. I've got my little crystal set oh, because I'm so wow. like, I'm just like, you know. So everything you've just said to me about the universe and how we're affected by everything the sun i just Ooh. yeah i'm totally totally into that because oh, that's wonderful. Exactly... oh and it's funny as well that's what i was going to say at the beginning when you're talking about having a trapeze and stuff i used to do that stuff ah, yeah I, I went to this space called the circus space 
Oh, oh yes, I yeah. know that place. Yeah, I went there for about a year and a half. Just like that evening classes. Old Street? Yeah, Old Street. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah. just like evening classes, but I used to go as often as I could. I was like there sometimes three nights a week and I absolutely loved it. And then I went to another place called The Hangar for trapezing and aerial silks. Like specifically. Yes. But oh my goodness. Yeah, I used to do tumbling, acrobatics. Oh. I did the trampoline. And this is like in my early 20s. So I was late to the game. Wonderful. But yeah. when you said that at the beginning, I was like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. I still have my aerial silks. I've got some outside, which I'm waiting wow. for the baby to arrive. So I'm just like, oh, help me get fit. <laughs> yes, all that upper body strength. Yeah. Oh, that's, my goodness. That's amazing. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, um, that's what's beautiful about what we do as creatives you know creating in the physical body as well Mm -hmm. as creating writing you know COVID definitely um I got together with a writing partner with with almost written a pilot um almost I say because it's almost finished and uh you know we have some other projects on the table but it's there doesn't have to be a dull moment in life actually Yeah. You know, whether you're inspired by a book, whether you're inspired by taking a class. And I know you had asked me to talk to you about the um, uh, the languages. Oh, so, yes. Yes, so yes, yes. I think during uh, COVID, one of my um, one of my clients, he had turned me on to Korean dramas. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I say clients. And I mean that in, in, in the personal training clients, because I'm, I'm also a personal trainer uh, in between creating. Uh, he turned me on to uh, Mr. Sunshine on Netflix. I fell in love with it. And then he encouraged me to watch something else. And of course, the actor in me, the producer in me, the writer in me is watching how they construct the story the actors, they, their faces don't move at all. Mm-hmm. It's all done in the eyes. So you see they're in a monologue through their eyes. It's yeah. beautiful to watch. And then I would read all the subtitles. Well, then I thought, you know what? I would like to learn Korean. Oh, wow. So I started learning Korean. And so I uh, downloaded an app called Duolingo. And because, as, as uh, you know, I lived in Holland, I, I speak Dutch. I thought, oh, well, I mean, go on there and because there's no one to speak Dutch to out here. Well, I haven't found anybody. So I, uh, I do Dutch, Italian, Spanish and Korean mm. on Duolingo. And I try and do a lesson a day. It also opens up new pathways in the brain. So it's really good mm-hmm. uh, for that. You know, just reading, doing languages, learning a new skill. I think if everyone could do that, it just adds on so much more to life yeah you know because one thing will lead you to something else to something else to something else you know yeah. and whatever that may be <sighs> yep so duolingo i feel like i have that on my phone yeah it's little easy. green owl and you can do a lesson a day it's free you can up you can upgrade to the plus if you want to and and then uh yeah, on YouTube, YouTube is a fabulous resource, as you well know. But yep. for Korean lessons, you can learn all sorts of languages and skills. I feel like I really just need to do Spanish so badly. Yes, so yes, badly. yes. Okay, so definitely. I did have it on my phone. I just need to re-download it. Re-download it and do a Spanish lesson a day. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, even 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and you've got it on your phone and you can do it on your laptop. There you go. Yes. Okay. I always wanted to learn French, but I feel like Spanish, especially here, is much, you know. Yes. But maybe once, once I've beneficial. Cr- once I've cracked the Spanish, maybe I'll go to French. Yeah. Why not? Or why not do them both at the same time? Okay. Yeah. Do do two lessons a piece. I mean, the lessons are very short. Yeah. You said so, ten minutes. Yeah. Well, well that's what they. Yeah, you can do 10 minutes. I mean, the lesson might not even take you 10 minutes the first time. might take you only five. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to do it. It's downloading right now. Good. Thanks for that little tidbit. Inspired. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, thanks, Troy, so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. And uh, it's lovely having tea with you. <laughs> <laughs> so funny because I really can't drink tea right now. <laughs> oh, so I'm waiting for how many weeks? What week am I? So I'm thinking about four weeks I could start drinking my raspberry tea to help okay. my interest. Yes. So <laughs> when, when do you do? Uh, 17th of August, but I feel like that's at week 40. Yeah. So I think it's going to be the week before at least. Because uh, they always say oh, the second ones, you know. Yeah, pops out. Yeah. <sighs> I'm excited for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, I look forward to eventually seeing you again in person. Yes. That will be. Yes. And uh, yeah, send my love to everybody and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, lots of love, my darling. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. And thank you once again, Troy, for coming onto the show. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. I got so much out of that and I just appreciate you, your time and all the inspiration you had to give because there was a lot in there. All right. Like I said before, at the beginning of the episode, you can follow Troy on Instagram at Troy Titus Barrow. And once again, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, see you then. So sick of the sweet talk.